This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 212 of The Yellow World Pod. I'm your host, as always, Stefan Botsko, and I'm joined by Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung, among other great outlets. Hello, Konstantin. It's great to have you here. Yeah, it's great. Greatness all around. All right, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you, you said that I, I'm writing for great outlets, and it's also great to be here. So I mm -hmm. guess it's just all around greatness. Yeah, well, you forgot that we have to talk about Borussia Dortmund, who... Uh, All right. Are, yeah, well, so, so you know, this is where the greatness ends, as, you know, there's still another win we can talk about. The last win came about mid-October in the Cup. The last league win was end of September. So, yeah, things are not looking too great right now, Constantine. What can I tell you? Um, of course, uh, before I tell our dear listeners... Um, What we are talking about in the show, which uh, they already have read in the show notes by now anyway, uh, I have to announce that this episode will be sponsored by Andrew Fasnacht, who was so nice to pledge $15 on Patreon and will soon be the proud owner of a Borussia Dortmund Stadium Collectors Cup. Well done, Andrew. Thanks for that. And, uh, There was one single person clapping. Yeah, well, I uh, I can't it's, afford this. It's like a Wolfsburg match right now. <laughs> I can't afford the soundboard just yet, and uh, I don't want to do it via software because then. All I right, have a you need another one 15 bucks. Reverb. You need another 15 bucks for the soundboard. Basically, yeah. yeah uh, right, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> gotcha. We need another Patreon account just to get a get a soundboard going. <laughs> Nah, we, we, we'll get one soon next year, I promise. Um, then, then I, we, we have canned applause. And in case you make a joke, we also have canned laughter. Anywho, uh, let's, uh, talk about Borussia Dortmund's 1-1 draw in Leverkusen. Then we'll, uh, proceed, I guess, uh, talking about the 3-2 loss at the Bernabeu. And I have a special guest. I interviewed, uh, Jörn from Radio Free Visa, who will give us a little insight on Werder Bremen. And then maybe, if time allows, we'll also talk about Mainz. But that will be a, a decision I will make spontaneously because I'm still not decided yet whether uh, it makes sense to already talk about Mainz or if Dortmund maybe opt to fire Peter Bosch after the Bremen game. But I guess we come to that conclusion Later in the show. So, 1-1 draw against Bayer Leverkusen. Konstantin, I have to tell you, it was freaking cold on the press stand, sitting up there in Leverkusen, and the highlight of my day was the halftime cake. Oh, the, the famous Leverkusen halftime cake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, heard, heard about that. Never. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Okay, tell me more. I mean, I, I can tell you some stories about cold weather in stadiums uh, because it's freaking cold everywhere right now. Uh, um, yeah, I can, Im- I can imagine that at Leverkusen, yeah, it, it doesn't warm your heart to be there, right? Not really. No, no. I mean, right. what going there isn't isn't too long from Dortmund, which is okay. But then you still have to walk through the cold darkness to get to the stadium and to leave the stadium. Ah, well. But Leverkusen, so I've heard, I haven't been in every uh, Bundesliga stadium yet, but from what I've heard, and I pretty much can agree, has the best press catering Ooh. in the Bundesliga. How, how are things in Leipzig, by the way, press uh, catering-wise? Uh, uh, yeah. I Do you know. get free Red Bulls? Oh yeah, yeah. You get it. you get a lot of free Red Bulls actually. Um, yeah, but that's about it, I guess. Yeah, that's there's there's nothing special about the the press. I mean, I want to say that actually because in case like in in the let's say in in a case that that someone from RB Leipzig is listening to a podcast and uh, I make make it uh, heat with them so. Yeah, it's it's tremendous there. No, actually, I mean you can you can drink Red Bull for free, which is something. Yeah, and and uh, uh yeah, everything else is it's all right. It's all right. It's it's uh nothing too over the top actually. Uh, See, this is why I like the Champions League. You know why? Because then Lytton is the main sponsor, and you get Lytton iced tea, the sparkling one, for free at the stadium. Which is where great. in which stadium? Uh, in Dortmund. Oh, yeah. no, but not in Leipzig because I was I attended the Champions League match in Leipzig. And you, 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 huh, you, interesting. You, no, no, you got I, coffee, I thought... uh, coffee and Red Bull. You, 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 you <laughs> got basically you got enough caffeine to uh, be awake for the next ten years. <laughs> All right then. Which is what? Which is what I, what I want to do. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I drink, I, 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 uh, right now I'm, you know, sw- uh, swapping a little bit between uh, Red Bull and Monsters. You know, we, we don't want to favor one uh, brand here, so I have to name another one, Monsters, for instance. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. No. I, I, I don't, I don't care about brand endorsement at this point anyway. I mean, I already endorsed it nicely just because I like it. I don't care. Uh, so <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I mean, it, it becomes a little bit more obvious if you now uh, also pluck some uh, Opel sponsorship. Then, then we have nah. a problem. I mean, yeah. Lipton is not a sponsor of Borussia Dortmund, so it's fine. Um, uh, but maybe they will become a sponsor soon of this very podcast of our very, you know, world-renowned <laughs> uh, show. Yeah, then I will have to get this. Like a like a sticker you you put or what 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 do you call it um, to put across the soundboard what some people do like to to brand their PlayStations or whatnot they have like a Super Mario PlayStation yeah. cover sticker okay. or whatever. Anyway, it's, it's, it's also it's also weird that that our po- podcast show isn't sponsored by many many big names uh, in in every business actually. You know, it's it's just. I mean, we are sponsored by nobody, by but loved by millions. <laughs> well, actually, that's often why we imitated, have not and uh, never copied. Jesus, yeah, this yeah. is why we actually have the Patreon account, so the Yellow Pod can stay commercial free. And, so, so, uh, so some poor Dortmund, uh, you know, hardworking Dortmund fans can uh, drop their last ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of big corporations, you know, funding. Our worry own operation. 
Okay, we should go ahead. You, yeah. You've spent too much time in Leipzig. Um, where are the people? Anywho, we, we, we have now, now uh, wasted enough time. It's, uh, I guess, time to delve in and talk about football. Um, I actually wanted to avoid that. Yeah, I know, me too. Hmm. This is why yeah. I brought up the weather and the food. And that's, why, that's why I talk nonsense, you know. Yeah, I thought it was a coffee mixed Red Bull, but um, okay. It's also, actually yeah. it's actually Borussia Dortmund. But so, right now um, I'm, I'm drinking a Monster, a Salt Energy. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I don't care what you drink. I'm drinking Ja Mineralwasser. Natürliches Mineralwasser. So. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Abs absolutely natürlich. Absolutely natürlich. Um, Konstantin. Now, after the game... Yeah, so so let me interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. We, we, after... we, have, to, we have to do this. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like surgery. You have to go through it. I, I don't want to do it, but we have to do it, I guess. Well, all I can say is a cut is better than a tear. And with that, I segue into the uh, beginning of my question. Uh, my question is, so after the game... I go down to the mix zone and then there's Nevin Zubacic standing in front of me and telling me that Borussia Dortmund took another step forward with their overall performance after 90 minutes. Well, watching him play, I don't know if he knows much about stepping forward, but all right, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, Now, uh, <laughs> have you seen the first 41 minutes of play, Konstantin? Um, yeah, I, I think I have, I, but I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I was just uh, twerked out of my mind and I was <laughs> watching something else. Um, but maybe I've watched them. And if I remember correctly, uh, watching um, 41 minutes against Bayer Leverkusen, um, then I think uh, Dortmund avoided pretty much the beating of their lifetime. Uh, because, I, I mean, it, it could have been like a 4-0 or something. Just because they were basically uh, bullied around by Leverkusen for 41 minutes. Until Mr. Vendel, we will talk about that, until Mr. Vendel uh, opted to do something very smartly, uh, meaning kicking Castro off the pitch. Yep. So, um, in, in conclusion, and uh, I summarize what you just said, Dortmund were completely dominated by Bayer Leverkusen. And if it wasn't for Roman Bürki heroics, Dortmund would have been absolutely mauled. So whatever Nevin Zubutic saw, I did not see. I'm sorry, hashtag, hashtag bench Bürki, but yeah. No, I, I, yeah, but but he was he was he was legendary. He was great. Otherwise, yeah, as I said, it wouldn't have been just one nothing after thirty minutes. Um. Of course, before we have to talk about the goal, um, it's sad to uh, talk about the, well, it's two injuries, but, uh, you know, it's obviously worse in uh, Maximilian Philipp's case. It wasn't oh, yeah. even really inflicted by an opponent. He just twisted his knee and uh, it already looked like in the replay that his uh, kneecap was uh, dancing in places where it's not supposed to be. And... Uh, yeah, hence was the diagnosis, and he'll be out for I don't know how many months, but it'll it'll be a while, I presume. So that's a big blow, right? Um, for Dortmund, I mean, it's not like he's completely irreplaceable, but still, he has been doing fine so far. Um, 
since we won't be talking about Maximilian Philipp for quite some time on this show, I assume, um, Constantine, you want to sum up his uh, doing so far until his injury? Until his injury, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, if I've gathered uh, that correctly, then, I mean, something with his kneecap, and usually if your kneecap uh, basically springs, you know, out, out of his place, um, then the patella ten is normally torn or something like that. So, um, yeah, until now, until his injury in the Leverkusen match, I think he was one of the few uh, promising aspects of the season so far. Uh, one of the bright spots of the season. Uh, because he came in um, for what was 20-something million. Which is... Uh, Consider amount of money for a twenty-three-year-old Bundesliga striker. Normally, you know, within the German league, uh, players like him uh, aren't moving around for that much money. But even the time, even uh, times in Bundesliga are changing. Um, yeah, so he he came as uh, a little bit of a surprising signing, I guess, and did considerably well. Um, Especially, of of course, I mean, of course, he did well uh, uh, in the early uh, early goings in the season because almost everyone did well back then. You know, I, I mean, if some of us can maybe remember that uh, there were better times um, for the Dortmund squad entirely, uh, and for Philip particularly. And uh, so, I, but but even lately, if he had the chance to play, if he was fit, I thought he was one of the yeah was one of the few players where I thought he could be someone um, still you know performing at more or less his best, uh, while the rest of the team is basically struggling to even with the most simple things. Um, so yeah, over our 40, he was, he was, uh, he was doing well until recently, until yeah. his kneecaps uh, said hello and, uh, yeah, moved, <laughs> moved in, moved in wrong places, um, which is never a good thing. And also a very, um, rare injury, actually. I mean, um, ACL, MCL, actually, that, that, that's common, but, uh, kneecap at the patellas, uh, tendon tears, um, Something quite unusual, especially not you know. Um, not it's it's it's. I think it's usual that it happens without uh, getting tackled or something. Um, just like I mean, there, there there was contact at this instant, and uh, to quote our very own Lars Polman on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what people meant when they compared him to Marco Royce. So um, yes, very oh, yeah. true, Lars. Um, but we we actually could see some of similarities and, and saying that he's a little bit like Marco Royce. I mean, yeah, Maximilian Philipp scored six goals, had two assists in his uh, seven, uh, 11 Bundesliga appearances and uh, scored also twice in the DFB Pokal, had three assists there. So a uh, nice little contribution scoring-wise. And I, I guess his his main strength so far this season have been his off-the-ball runs after his scoring, I guess. Because I don't really think he had so he did many off, he did off the ball once after scoring. Nah, nah. It's 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 just basically. Uh, <laughs> I'm just putting you off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you you are. Um, but uh, I mean, he he's not the key passer in chief. This is, I guess, the one quality that's uh, well distincts. Where you know, 
this is this is a skill Marco Royce actually does have that he sometimes comes up with great passes into space and this is uh, maybe a quality that Maximilian Philipp doesn't have so much. Anywho, Philipp was out, Schule came in and uh, yeah, Dortmund did not really improve or falter more than they were before. Um, I don't I don't even know what to really say about this game because Dortmund did not have control and possession. They did really know what to do without the ball. Gonzalo Castro playing as a right wing back, where I thought, okay, maybe this this actually is a good idea. Uh, turned out to not be a very good idea. He was completely ridiculed by uh, Leon Bailey, I think is his name. For some reason, always <laughs> Lord Baelish pops into my head. So, um, yeah, but uh, okay. The, that that wasn't that wasn't really anything good from Castro, mm. I have to say, and uh, allowed a couple of chances over Dortmund's right side very early on in the game. So yeah, there's that. Konstantin, what could have Dortmund done better? And uh, maybe do you think it would, it's the right idea to side with Nevin Zubotic right now in the starting lineup? Ah, uh, no, not really. Um, just it's especially especially in 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 the uh, central position in the back three or so. Um, it's it's also it's it's interesting that that uh, Freiburg, um, Christian Streich, head coach of Freiburg, he decided to uh, field Julian Schuster as his uh, central center back uh, at, at times, uh, playing with a back three and. Uh, uh, I was I was joking around with a few pe- a few people, or I was joking about it with a few people uh, recently because normally you 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 take your slowest player, you know, your slowest defensive player, and put him in center midfield instead of you know at the back line because um, then he uh, he he doesn't tend to uh, cause too much damage and can still do some some good. Um, in in midfield, um, and I, I think Subotic is a comparable. Oh my, is a is a case you maybe can compare to Schuster's because he's also one of the least athletic players right now in the Bundesliga. Uh, which is not a knock on him, but it's just it's just a fact that I think that what what causes him to um to fade a little bit, or what what has caused him to fade um throughout the past two years or so. Um, I mean it's it, it's it's also just he's 20 28 you, you sometimes think he's he's 30 32 or something it's, it's the same with Shaheen, but in his case even more i think he's just he hasn't aged that well um and ha- has lost uh, some of his athleticism which he hasn't had that much to begin with so um yeah it's it's just that um, not the best time to be naming supertech i guess especially uh, playing uh in this particular back three um you know Dortmund playing a high line, having defensive issues uh, in general, and then you got Nevin Supotic who's struggling, you know, with his pace, uh, sometimes his positioning, uh, and then you have him playing in the middle of the back three. I, I, I don't, I, you know, you can throw him to the wolves, but you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of players on Dortmund's payroll right now, which I, I guess if you really have ambitions to play in the top four in the Bundesliga, you m- should maybe lose. Um, Nevin Zobotic, of course, when we talk about the lacking athleticism, it's, it's more really about spa- uh, uh, lack of pace 
I mean, he has Stanima and he can be quite physical if he actually arrives soon enough to be there for a tackle. But, um, yeah, as you said, the lack of pace right now is, is just not there. And, um, if we talk about the 30th minute, um, it was a little bit unfortunate that Nevin Zubotic tried to clear the ball with the header. Um, found a Leverkusen shirt and the ball was uh, played right into the path of Kevin Folland, who was not offside and uh, because he was kept onside by the halfway line a rule many footballers do know Nori Shine apparently does not because he was just raising his arm and stopped running if he even ever started but uh, that's I guess the, 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 the main concern for Dortmund right now that there is not a player in the defensive department that defines himself via or for defensive actions or plays. This is horrendous. I mean, you have not won in forever and yet you trust Nevins Botic to clear the ball and you see it's not really coming off, but there is no impulse of either Socrates or Shine, who were still somewhat close to Folland, to even try to track back. I mean, Socrates and Subotic in the end were sprinting backwards, but A, it took too long, and B, Nori Shine was in better position altogether, and they both, Shine and Socrates in that instance, should anticipate that something may go wrong. And Dortmund still trust their players to play every ball cleanly, and clearly there are too many mistakes made, and thus too many players not tracked. So... That was really, really sad for Roman Bürki because he had zero chance against Kevin Folland, who had the uh, size of Australia basically left to him to yeah basically pick his corner and then it ended in a tap-in. But um, yeah, this is very, very frustrating, I guess, also for teammates if you watch the video replay and you just see two or three players switch off in this situation and not run back. And then I don't really know... Uh, what Sean is talking about, like, as he was talking about, about after the Real Madrid game, where he was talking about the, uh, I don't know, famous video session or famous, famous team session they had after the, um, Revere Derby, where things apparently dramatically changed. I don't know. I don't, I don't see any dramatic change in, in this instance. And, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was, Typical for me. I'm sorry if it's going to be a long rant, but typical summing up Dortmund season that there's just no urgency when it comes to making defensive plays. And I want to see players that have that in them. Maybe Dortmund are missing Sven Bender right now, just because there is apparently also just lacking the, the will to defend. Or maybe Nuri Shine just does not have the legs in the 30th minute of the game. Who knows? But, um, yeah, to end my rant, this was poorly defended and there were so many more poorly defended situations in the first half i don't even I, I, really I, want I, to talk I, about yeah. it and i and i think that's that's the more um i mean when, when we talk about issues and and what, what we should uh take away from the first half against Leverkusen from the from the first uh 41 minutes or what it was uh then it is that i mean yeah that there was one uh horrendous case or was one case where uh 
Dortmund defended terribly, but there were so many situations where uh, Leverkusen was just steamrolling Dortmund. I, I think I, I I would even point at one particular situation where then they conceded. You know, there there were several several uh, moments where they sh- could have conceded, uh, which 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 uh, tells you something about um, the level of performance Dortmund showed in the first uh, half against Leverkusen. Um, I don't I don't know if there was. Right now, and it it it, it sounds uh, maybe it sounds strange, weird, whatever, uh, not reasonable. But I think the Leverkusen match and maybe the Real Madrid match. I haven't had the chance to watch it because I was uh, somewhere else. But um, these two matches and what we we saw against Leipzig uh, against Leverkusen in the first uh, half. Maybe it even uh, helps Bosch to some extent. Because you you just saw a performance by several highly paid players and you saw basically the entire team struggling, even with the basics of football. Uh, which means that you as a coach, who is of course in a bit of a crisis... Um, can argue that, yeah, sorry, sure, there are some technical mistakes I have made, but there are also, like, fundamental issues here. Uh, that's not, it's not, I haven't caused them, you know. I'm, I'm not the reason that some of these defenders uh, don't know the one-on-one of defending, you know, or that some of these uh, midfielders don't know how to position properly. So, um, I don't know, it's a little bit uh, weird way to, to look at it, but... Um, no, I think I, you're correct, and I, I think because because I, ju- just sorry. just to finish uh, because I I talked to a few people uh, also you know people around the club um, who are knowledgeable fans so to say or journalists um, and also they said yeah like um, right now that there's like the, 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 a little bit of a shift and and now more more and more people think that uh, if Bosch gets sacked and coach X Y or Z. Uh, comes in, they, they wouldn't change. They wouldn't change a thing. Actually, uh, it's just it's not Bosch's fault. It, it, to some extent, it is maybe, but you know, it's not like he is really the reason uh, that that Dortmund is playing like like a second tier side. You know, it's like a second division side actually. Um, and and you know, looking at the first half against uh, Leverkusen, it looked like Dortmund was a second division side, uh, but fielding a. Players who earn three or four or five million per year, um, and who are who are considered themselves and who are considered right, rightly uh, as you know potential national players, um, what you would call in the U.S. sports future hall of, hall of famers, you know, people uh, players like that uh, that they play like they they have never played a professional match before to be a little bit over the top of their criticism. No, it's it's true. I mean, uh, I I don't know if you listened to the one episode I just recorded with Matthias, but uh, you know, we already said then, and we we said it a million times before. It's it can't just be on Peter Bosch. There is a, fu- a fundamental a f- fundamental lack of quality in Dortmund squad in the defensive line and also in in midfield to some extent. It, Dortmund are lopsided. They are they are top heavy balanced squad their offense their attack is churning out a lot of goals i think they are still uh on level with bayern munich when it comes to goals scored in the bundesliga maybe one more one less i haven't checked recently but fact of the matter is in the defensive 
in their backline, there are issues of things that, that go beyond what a coach can do. There are too many individual tactical mistakes and errors that are easily avoidable. And I'm also looking a lot at Socrates here. Umar Toprak hasn't covered himself in glory. Dan Axel Zagadou is a great talent, but he's 18 years old. So you can't really rely on him much. Nevin Zobocic is a million years past his prime. Uh, Dortmund has a fullback crisis. Marcel Schmelzer is not a great center back at all as, as left center back. He is a very good left back, but as you always say, Konstantin, he's only very good if he's on top of his game and he had already two injuries this season. On top, injuries pile on. Dortmund had like 16 different formation at the back already in like 21 or 22 games. So there are just a million factors why there is a lack of automatism, but again, Dortmund haven't defended well really in years and uh, there have been too many individual mistakes to to just uh you know say oh well Updidu it just happened no there's a lack of individual quality and Dortmund have to address it and there are already transfer rumors about center backs this winter Michael Zorc has said even after the injury of Maximilian Philipp and also Gonzalo Castro that they don't need to re reinforce in the attacking department, they have players like Jaden Sancho in their pipeline, which is great. So, um, yeah, please, please, uh, try to sign a center back that's, that has a little bit more pace because you're playing a high line in most games. And if you do, you need players that have pace. Look at Real Madrid. They have Varane, who can run quicker than Aubameyang. Look at Bayern Munich. They have Boateng, who is pretty quick. Right? So, um, Dortmund are lacking this kind of defender right now and they have a lot of money in the bank and they should spend it. So, rent over. So, 31st minute, Wendell has a brain fart and twists the ankle of Gonzalo Castro in the, uh, 90 degree angle. <laughs> it's, uh, maybe haven't, didn't really look that bad in, in uh, real time, but if you watch the replay, I think that's a clear red card. I don't know. Do we have any any uh, objections to the judgment of Wolfgang Stark here, Konstantin? Good. So we can move on. It's a clear red card. Dortmund now one man more for over fifty minutes, and there was I think was it five minutes at a time in the in the first half, some, something like that. I mean, we had two injuries. We had a VAR, so sounds about right. Um, and Dortmund in the second half alone had. 89.9 or so possessions, so they were extremely dominant. Of course, there was this one counter-attacking chance where Buki once again saved one-on-one uh, -on -one against Kevin Folland. Uh, also, another nice uh, little play of, yeah, I think Nevin Zobotic it was, whose pass was just a little off, but uh, overall, Dortmund very dominant, and if we we have we have been bashing them so far for 30 minutes now just like Leverkusen in the first half but we also have to praise them I guess because the 1-1 equalizer was a great play I think it started with Guerrero playing in help me here Schürrle it was exactly and then uh, yeah Andrea Molenko with a very excellent finish um Konstantin do you think it was the right call first of all of Dortmund to play so risk adverse as they did. Just keep the ball, keep the ball. Don't try to do anything crazy. Just keep the ball. Wait for that one chance. Let Leverkusen shift 
from right to left to left to right and just uh, hope they don't counterattack. Well, I don't know if it's risk averse. It's just, you know, you, you're basically forced to do it um, in the particular situation with, with uh, Leverkusen one man down and um, uh, o- o- hoping for uh, hitting that one counterattack. Uh, they are great at counterattacking uh, in general and in that particular situation, I, I think Leverkusen is just very keen to to uh, hit Dortmund on the break. Uh, yeah, especially a Dortmund team that uh, is prone to being countered <laughs> with the high line and and with uh, the lack of intense uh, counter pressing and everything that's that's going going wrong right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's just something. Uh, it's it's a certain dynamic that that a match can have uh when one team is you know has a particular strength another team has a particular weakness and then uh on top of that you got one team one man down and and Dortmund was forced to to do the good old um possession game thing where where it just uh, play laterally uh for uh, what feels like an eternity and then uh, <laughs> you, you, you try to 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 get something going to try to spot one little tiny hole where you can get through and um i mean truth to be told uh dotwood's dotwood's current um starting 11 or starting you know starting 11 plus the three four players who are normally also also uh, at least substituted or right, or not um there aren't that many uh, good possession game or possession players Let's let's possession football players. Um, so there's there's Mark Butler who's I guess not really in form right now. Yeah, I totally forgot about him when I was uh, counting all these center backs. So, yeah. yeah, but but Mark Butler could be a center back for for a very possession heavy uh, style. Um, the Hood could be one, but also not really in form. I guess um, Weigel could be one, not really in form. Um, so you got you know and Guerrero. So th- these are you know. Particular players who are made for uh, possession-heavy football doesn't mean they can they can't play other styles or you know they can't uh, succeed in other styles. But um, looking at the the Dortmund squad, uh, those players come to mind. Um, so, but, but it's not not like an entire starting eleven full of of uh, footballs who are you know who. Which just thrive uh, when when they have to when they, when they have to ball all the time, um, and then you got you got Leverkusen. Uh, we, we vitalized under Heilig in the in the last uh, in the past few weeks, and very very good in transition attacks. Um, yeah. So, but at at the end, I mean, Dortmund. For all the things I just said, um, Dortmund did relatively well. Um, I mean, for all the things, uh, all for all things considered, and and also what happened the past few weeks, um, yeah, they did actually pretty pretty well. It's a weird thing to say, but no, I se- would agree. I would se- agree. Se- se- second half, yeah, they, they I mean, they, they, yeah. I mean, Espe- on- especially after what happened against Schalke, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you can say, all right, you guys uh, got to turn the screw now. You haven't won in an eternity, and. Uh, this is unacceptable, just playing the ball lateral all the time. But no, I actually think it was the right move. Um, of course, you can sense in the team, I guess the fear of losing is better than the desire to win right now. So having that in mind, it's very important for Dortmund to not lose this game after being a 
one man more for over 50 minutes. So that was still a possibility. We saw Leverkusen come back against Leipzig when they were decimated. So I guess that was also in the uh, back of the players' minds. And uh, I, I actually think that was the right approach, that Dortmund tried to keep the ball away from Leverkusen as much as possible, do not risk anything. We saw one tiny mistake by Niven Zubatic in the seven and a half. How quick it can happen that Kevin Folland pops up free in front of your goalkeeper. And yeah, basically could have won the game there for Leverkusen. Then again, Dortmund, of course, had the uh, chance to nick it in, I think, stoppage time even. Rafael Guerrero then uh, shooting at the heels of, was it Lars or Sven Bender? I can't remember, but there was one Bender in the way of victory for Dortmund. And, um, Overall, as I said, I think it was a good idea to play as they did play. And uh, first of all, kudos to Shinji Kagawa after he came on for Gonzalo Castro. Um, I think Dortmund's play significantly improved. He brought in somewhat of a creative spark. Not the same can be said about Mahmoud Dahoud, who I think played for, was it 15 minutes? I don't, I can't even remember. But, um, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't too inspiring. But overall, I think, um, Dortmund did well they did not fall apart in the end it did not like they were completely out of gas as uh, so often this season so maybe that was down to the one-man advantage but uh, obviously if you have the ball a lot you don't have to run as much and this is good as well and uh, yeah I, I think in the end Dortmund have to be happy with the point but overall it's kind of sad for Dortmund that Leverkusen who looked like they have fallen behind Dortmund very far in the past season or so are now apparently seemingly uh, the better team overall than Dortmund. And I wouldn't be surprised if Leverkusen finish ahead of Dortmund. What do you think? Yeah, so so what, what I think right now is that, um, I mean, sure, Bayern is gone and... Um, I think RB Leipzig and, and Schalke will will um, be. I mean, I I guess they could uh, could stumble and and Dortmund could um, catch up, but I don't see it right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, in the battle for you know place four, place five, I figure it will be between Leverkusen, Dortmund, Gladbach. So I could see I could see Leverkusen being fourth at the end of the season. But I also I it's it's not like Dortmund is dead. It feels like they are dead. No, they're uh, not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, not 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 yet. Um, and I think that there is a possibility, as a chance, especially after the winter break, that uh, Dortmund will will be back and uh, fight for for the fourth spot at least. Uh, for, yeah, right which, now which they're is, two points mm. off the fourth place in the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not like everything is lost right now. I know we sound a little bit doom and gloom sometimes on the show, but it's not like Dortmund are completely off the window or whatever. It's, you know, they still have a good chance. And I mean, they show a lot of great football, you know, in, in flashes. It's just not as consistent as it's supposed to be right now. And their defense is in shambles. And if their defense improves a little bit, their scoring output should uh, guarantee a sweet amount of points averaging, averaging uh, I don't know, points tally about two in the Bundesliga, which should be enough for a Champions League finish. 
So, um, yeah, just gotta fix that defense. <laughs> so easy. Any, anyway, um, I guess there are a couple more issues than just the defense, but we can get to that, I guess, uh, now with, uh, the game against Real Madrid. I don't know. Was there any final point you wanted to make about the Leverkusen match? Oh, no, no. All right. So Dortmund go to the Bernabeu. It's, uh, the last time they are listening to the Champions League anthem. Sigh. Uh, this season at least. And, uh, it was already kind of clear that they would head to the EuroLeague unless Tottenham's B team would somehow draw or lose against Nicosia, which is completely out of the picture, of course, because what team would draw or lose against Nicosia? Correct. So, um, Dortmund, um, want to show the world that they still are capable of something or I don't know. Real Madrid leave Gareth Bale, injured Tony Kroos out of the squad, which I guess for Real Madrid makes a difference. Was Modric there? Can you remember? Don't think he was. Uh, Modric was on the bench, yeah. So, yeah. So it was an A1 squad of Real Madrid. I wouldn't dare to say B team because there was just so much quality on there. It's just incredible. So first 12 minutes, Dortmund are completely asleep. Why can that even be that uh, you, when you play against Real Madrid, you are not fired up from the first second on, but you are passive, you stay away from players, you don't try to even close down crosses, you don't pick up runs. How is that possible? I don't know. Um, Quite frankly, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, two things. Uh, first, uh, remember when when these uh, matches at Madrid or uh, like the, the matches between uh, Real and and Dortmund were something special. Um, yeah, it was like two years ago, uh, and, and times have changed. Uh, it, it was there was no no buzz in in the German media. Um, uh, of course, I mean, sure, the, the, uh, that Dortmund was was already out, and it was only about who who goes. Uh, well, it was a dead, dead rubber match, right? Real Madrid have Wait. to focus about their domestic campaign. They have Sevilla on the weekend. They're only in fourth place. Vazquez said that uh, Real Madrid's crisis is bigger than Dortmund's right now, which I wouldn't quite agree with. But, you know, do your whataboutism, whatever. Um, and uh, Borussia Dortmund, of course, have the big game against Werder Bremen coming up because I think beating Werder Bremen is at this point point more important for Dortmund than snatching a point or three away at the Bernabeu in a dead rubber game of course it was still somewhat about the uh, third place but yeah Tottenham did what they did and uh, thus Dortmund did the historic benchmark the all-time worst third place with only two points to move to the EuroLeague which is an achievement not one to be proud of but hey get what we can take uh, we take what we can get um but here's the big question and you already told me that you haven't watched the game um so i guess i ask myself and more or less answer it too um the question is after 15 minutes 20 minutes so dortmund became alive they were more aggressive they picked up runs they uh I don't know. There was just a different body language all around. Dortmund picked themselves up. I think this is something we can press the team for. But now comes the but. 
did Dortmund actually do much better or did it just look like Dortmund were doing much better because Real Madrid stopped caring about the game? Because I can't fault Real Madrid for becoming complacent after being tuned up after 12 minutes. Um, it was just, uh, they were just so much better at this point and, uh, you know, I wouldn't fault them for letting Dortmund in the game by just stepping off the gas a little bit and shifting a couple of gears down. Um, I mean, if we talk about the, the goals first goal for Real Madrid, there was no such thing as an offside trap, of course, and Mark Barcha fails to close down Ronaldo, who can play a cross in. Um, Isco was, of course, a little bit lucky with his, uh, assist for Mayoral, but, uh, on the other hand, a player like Rafael Guerrero who should have tracked Isco with his run into the box did not do that and hence Isco had all the freedom in the world to do his move and yeah hardly a chance for Berkey of course second goal of course always tough to defend if uh, Ronaldo pulls one out like that but uh, still Mark Batra and I think Mahmoud Ahoud was it uh, they still both can Apply a little bit more pressure and close down the shooting lane, which both did not do. So, yeah, there's that. So then Dortmund got back into the game and uh, should have, could have equalized much earlier than in the 42nd minute uh, where Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang finished off a very great Marcel Schmelzer cross. who had four interceptions in this game and was uh, playing pretty well overall, I would say. And, uh, yeah the one and only cross of Marcel Schmelz, I guess, that finds his target. <laughs> um, though, but but honestly, um, I don't know how much you saw of the game, if you saw replays, if you saw any sort of bit, um, but we saw Mahmoud Dahoud and, and Nuri Shine in holding midfield, and uh, at least I would say this worked out much better than we ever saw uh, holding midfield consisting of Julian Weigel and Nuri Shine. So I don't I don't I don't know if you can actually comment on that, but um I would say that I totally agree with everything. Okay. <laughs> but I would, no, I, would I, 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 I mean would I was, was I was attending the Leipzig match Leipzig against Besiktas, so so I, I didn't watch uh, I watched the the little match. I just watched the, the goals uh uh on on totally legal uh, internet streams. Um so yeah. Um it's 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 a little bit uh, difficult for me to we really, uh, comment on on the entire match. So um, well, I and, guess and, and, and I I don't want to yeah I don't want to make this whole thing too long because we still have a couple of things to get to. But um, I I think one main takeaway is that Mahmoud Dawood isn't all that bad. Who knew? Um, after Julian Weigel came on in the 65th minute or so, Dortmund completely lost control and. Uh, as much as I like Julian Weigel and as much as I like him as a player and uh, as much one can could or could criticize Bosch for playing Weigel maybe a little bit out of position and saying that the system may be not suiting Julian Weigel, we also just have to say this boy is just horribly, horribly out of form right now. And I don't know how much of a help he can be for this team if uh, yeah, he just can't utilize his strengths at all right now. Um, his recycling of possession his shifts and and whatnot is it, it's just not there usually he's the sort of player that anticipates a lot who uh, has a great positioning who can move out of a cover shadow quickly who can lose a player with a single turn 
And those things we just don't see of Julian Weigel. Those are individual moments that are removed from any tactical aspect, I think. And those are things we are not really seeing as much as, as we are used to from him right now. So maybe he just needs to albeit very short winter break to uh, hopefully regain some form or more more playing time. I don't know what's wrong with Weigel, but um, he's not all that as he should be. And I think this is also another reason why Dortmund struggle offensively, sometimes in their position play, why they lose balls in positions they should lose. And of course, Weigel's defensive contributions are not world-class, to say the least. And that's, of course, another issue. But... uh Long story short, um, I think Dortmund had some great moments. Nuri Schein had some pretty uh, balls into space. Rafael Guerrero and Mahmoud Dahoud played well. And I think Shinji Kagawa played an outstanding role in this game. Um, the way he moved the ball around was uh, so much better than in, in recent games. He uh, used the space well that Real Madrid obviously left open. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scoring that brace was also very nice. Uh, flying header, of course, from Marcel Schmelzer. Um, one could, of course, argue he had a couple of chances beforehand that he should have tucked away. And, uh, okay, maybe in form he would have scored another goal or so. But nevertheless, two goals for Aubameyang is a good sign because Dortmund do depend on him and will need his goal scoring uh, in the in the games to come. So that's... Uh, at least a positive that he is feeling it again. And the second goal was very well taken. Of course, uh, the first attempt was saved by Navas, but uh, then to just chip it over the keeper was uh, brilliant. And uh, of course, we have to mention that back heel of uh, Shinji Kagawa. Now, Konstantin, um, if you have the odd 40 minutes where things are actually going your way at the Bernabeu, you are 2 nil down. And you equalize to make it 2-2. And later in the game, Shinji Kagawa, I think it was, had the chance to make it 3-3. Um, as a, as a player, even though you lost in the end, do you take like a confidence boost away from that? Because Dortmund are in dire need of any confidence boost they can get. Yeah, that's actually a weird one. Uh, because as you mentioned that, that Real Madrid didn't play with their, their best lineup. Um, even though Ronaldo was on the pitch, um, Isco was on the pitch, so, uh, Ramos, so there were, you know, Casemiro, so there were several, uh, top tier world, uh, you would say world class players, um, Dortmund was, go was going up against, but it's, it's a weird case because it's also there, there wasn't much, you know, uh, uh at stake for Real. Still, they scored two early goals. It looked like you got a beating. You, you recovered a little bit, but you still lose the match. Uh, you know, do you do you think that was like, or I mean, do you tell yourself that that that's that's a great achievement? Uh, and and right now in the situation, or do you think well, we played against a half-assed Real Madrid team, which didn't really care about the match and still beat us? I don't know. It's it's also that you that Dortmund is in this weird uh, spot that you know only one year ago, only two years ago, um, there were talks about Dortmund, uh, you know, maybe potentially uh, reaching the semifinals of the Champions League again or something like that. So and right now you are happy that you didn't get a uh, get a beating at Real Madrid, you know, 
times change very quickly, and um, I think uh, to to adjust, um, you know, your own expectations as a player um, is also something that's that's uh, pretty pretty difficult. Um, so, but yeah, for the moment, I guess at least there's some relief that uh, Real Madrid didn't steamroll Dortmund, which I mean, which could have been a possibility. Yeah, I guess Dortmund can uh, take heart in the fact that they weren't steamrolled in their last two games, which they, of course, could have been. Um, so takeaways for me from the Real Madrid match is that A, um, Dortmund can rely on Mahmoud Dahoud, who finally, I guess, got a playing chance with Castro out and Götze out and uh, Weigel needing a rest. And I think he took that chance. Of course, he had that one wobble uh, where he lost the ball to Isco and that arguably should have been a third for Real Madrid, but it, it, it wasn't. And uh, he, of course, needs to cut that out. But I think, you know, if you give him a little bit more playing time and, of course, the uh, trust, then uh, things might actually work out for Dahoud. But, uh, of course, we also have to mention that he has a little bit of, uh, yeah, leeway and uh, needs to work a little bit more on his game before he can be a consistent asset but I mean, what kind of signing at this age doesn't need at least half a season for Dortmund to really turn up, except for, I guess, Julian Weigel. If we remember Ilka Gunnar and he, and, and how long he took to really find his feet at Dortmund, I guess we have to give the same time to Dahoud. And of course, um, Christian Pulisic looking very good and very bad at the same time in this game. His burst of pace. We're outstanding and uh, he had a couple of great solo runs, but at the same time, his decision making then ultimately always let him down a little bit. And uh, the way he lost possession right before Real Madrid's third goal also wasn't ideal. Although we have to say, Ümer Toprak, who was 10 seconds on the pitch, could maybe defend that. And uh, Roman Buki, maybe instead of punching that, you just try to catch it. If you fail to catch it, it's probably going to be a foul against Real Madrid. But, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, Konstantin, um, with that, I guess we can move on to the Europa League because this is where Dortmund are headed. Of course, we're not talking about the Euro League now, but uh, this is, yeah, the the reality now. We're recording this on a Thursday night now. But, uh, yeah, not going to happen too many times soon where Dortmund will play on Thursday and then Sunday or Monday. So just get ready to adjust your biosystem accordingly. <laughs> so Werder Bremen. And uh, I talked to Björn from uh, Radio Free Weser to shed a little light about our next or on our next opponents. So without any further ado, here's the little interview. Now joined by Werder Bremen fan expert. Well, we'll see about that. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm elated to have him here. It's Björn Beam from uh, Radio Free Weser, F- Free Weser, Free Weser, of course. 
Werder Bremen Podcast, also English language, so if you want to uh, get some more information on Werder Bremen, go to Radio Free Weser and you'll find everything there. Björn, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invite. Pleasure to be here. And of course, we will now shed a little light on Werder Bremen, or rather you. I'm just here to ask the questions. <laughs> and yeah, just uh, guide me along to I, where yeah, I need to go. Yeah, I, I think you, you'll know very well where you need to go. Werder Bremen right now are still 17th in the Bundesliga. They have 11 points and are three points away from 15th place behind Hamburg. So there is hope that uh, a simple win, I don't know about if the goal difference checks out, but uh, you know one win can get them out of the relegation zone. However, if we look at the form table, Werder Bremen right now are in 13th place because they recorded two wins in their last three games, namely against Hannover and Stuttgart, while they lost against Leipzig. Meanwhile, Dortmund have only recorded two draws out of their last five games and otherwise losses. Hence, Werder Bremen are much, are the favorites for Saturday. <laughs> um, Björn, why Has Werder Bremen looked so much better recently? Is it just a change in personnel on the coaching position or has it different reasons? Yeah, I was wondering if you brought us on to either talk you guys into a coaching change or just brighten that silver lining. Um, it has all been all about that. Um, Kohfeldt has had a very different approach um, in his short tenure already to what we've seen from Nuri this season. Um, I think one of the, the big issues has been that we haven't scored any goals under Nuri and it's hard to win games without goal scoring um, I think that's that's also an issue that, that Cologne has had but now with Kohlfeld we've, we've chosen a much more offensive setup I can go into that a little bit more in detail in a minute but with this uh, new playing style this newfound um, offensive style we We actually managed to score goals and you know picked up the first two wins of the season, which we had to wait quite a while for. <laughs> yeah, how how exactly has it changed? Um, Alexander Nuri was he too um, conservative in his approach, or how would you describe it? And, and what what exactly uh, you know are the tactical nuances now? Why Werder Bremen is all of a sudden uh, you know putting four goals past Hanover, for example? Okay, so for, for almost as long as I can remember, um, Werder has been very offensive-minded and our our well, philosophy has always been, you know, just score one more goal than the opposition. And for this season, um, Nuri somehow adapted a more of a uh, Hoop-Stevens approach where it was don't allow any goals and it was very costly to our offense. Um, we've been very stellar at the back for, at least for, for our standards, um, we've only allowed 16 goals. If you look at other teams in that region of the table, they tend to allow a few more. Um, so we've we've been quite successful on the defensive end for for most of the games, which is why we've managed to pick up a couple of draws. Um, one reason of that has been um, a change at goalkeeper this season with Pavlenka, who's been very good for us. Um, at some point, I think he had saved the most shots in, in the Bundesliga. Um, might still be that way. Um, But Nuri also figured out a way to to stabilize our, our backline, which is because we we adapted to more of a 5-3-2 this season as opposed to you know the the 4-4-2 that Verda has played uh, as a diamond for 
nearly a decade under Thomas Schaaf. Um, and that Kofeld somehow is bringing back at times. Um, but with this, this very defensive focus, uh, we've often found ourselves in a situation where we played a position that didn't really go into too much of an attacking style. Um, and we just didn't have the, the creativity to um, do anything with the few numbers we had ahead of or for the, on the counterattack. Um, aside from the fact that with a couple of guys missing, like Max Cruiser, who's arguably the focal point of our offense, um, we simply weren't in the position to to um, yeah, muster potent counter. And that doesn't really work for you when you're so heavily relying on your defense. Um, now with Kofeld, um, he's, he's brought it back to a, a 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, um, depending on the situation. Um, it's, usually it's when we defend, it tends to be the 4-4-2. Um, and when we attack, we, it shifts around where we have uh, Cruz at the center of the attack, um, sometimes dropping back into a 10 roll, but also as a, a further upfront striker. Um, and with uh, Unuswich and Bartels on the wings and those guys have looked a lot better. Um, I would argue it has to do with Cruiser coming back and being in full form now. Um, so they can play off him, but also because they now have a little bit more, more liberties. Um, and under, under Kofeld, um, I mean, the personnel changes have been minuscule. Almost the same players are playing in the games. But um, he, for example, allowed or wingbacks, um, Ludwig Augustinsson and uh, Theodore Gipper-Selassie to to be a little bit more engaged in the attacking game and that has opened up room for for our midfield so it's a lot of small changes um that now allow us to to roam a little bit more on offense and um create more chances and better chances as well yeah max cruzo is obviously a player that can change games all by himself i would say he has just that sort of intelligence combined with the technique where he just can score goals, which he just sometimes don't see coming. He's a very intelligent player. And I think he's also very, uh, um, he's, <laughs> I know it, it sounds funny. <laughs> no, it sounds, but well, his, that's his, the argument that he's lacking intelligence in other departments. Uh, he has a high footballing IQ. The, the, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, but he only started scoring after his injury. Um, uh, starting with Hanover where he scored a hat trick and, uh, not even, you know, had an assist beforehand, but um, your co-host Patrick had a very long, uh, I don't know, song of praises. Let's call it that <laughs> way on of, on film Bartels on your last episode you published. I think it was yesterday or so. Yeah, yeah, we recorded and published yesterday. Yeah, and um, tell our listeners how vital Finn Bartels is for Werder Bremen. Okay, so uh, my. My reading on Finn Bartels is that um, you said Cruiser can change a game. Bartels can't necessarily do that, but he plays to the the level of his counterpart. And if you have someone as as talented as Cruiser is, um, he can play almost as well. I would argue. Um, if you put him into a weaker team, then he's not going to shine nearly as bright. But he has that potential because he's also a very very intelligent player um, who reads the game well. Um, who, who's um, very, very uh, spontaneous in his, his actions, but um, they are well thought out. Um, if you just looked at the last game we played, that one goal we had that 
brought us the win um, came entirely of, of uh, Bartle's quickness of mind where he was fouled, um, got up right after, um, took the ball, had the free kick in within seconds um, because he saw a wide open cruiser starting through uh, towards goal and he set up our only goal for that game. Um, yeah, it's it's all about, with him, it's, it's mostly about reading the game. I mean, he's... He's somewhat fast. He's somewhat of a solid dribbler, um, but he doesn't excel in these areas. But I would argue that uh, with his his understanding of the game, he's uh, near the top of the league. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue against that. Um, now, <laughs> if I'm Peter Bosch and I'm preparing for this game, I will obviously not only look at, uh, do, uh, at Bremen's win against Hanover and the win against Stuttgart, but I will also look at at the tunnel loss against Leipzig because Leipzig obviously are favorites and they may or may not have aligned a little differently against Leipzig than uh, in those other two games. Um, what have Bremen, if they did anything differently, what did they do differently? And uh, do Dortmund just have to focus on taking Kruse and Battles out of the game or are there other players to keep an eye on? I believe that taking Cruz and Bartles out right now might be enough. Um, if you manage to score, that is. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, in the Leipzig game, um, I would I would say, um, well, clearly Leipzig was the favorite and um, they deserved to win that game. But it wasn't um, as clear cut as the 2-0 says. Um, there were plenty of opportunities. Brim played very much to Leipzig's level. Um, and... I would argue with some luck um, that could have ended as a draw, but that's beside the point. I would say that you guys should very much rely on um, just building up pressure. Um, one thing is that we still don't know what to do with the ball. <laughs> um, so we can't handle too much of or too much possession. Um, you need to press. Uh, that works well. Um so an intense press uh, in the midfield is, is going to be very disruptive to our game. Um, some of our players lack the technical skills there. I would argue uh, to, to shut down the midfield, uh, Thomas Delaney is actually key. Um, Bartles and, and Chris can make stuff happen up front, but they need to get the ball. And Delaney is very much at the, the focal point in the midfield um, in terms of distributing and and giving the directions, uh, the marching directions there. So, um, yeah, take Delaney out of the game and you're probably going to leave uh, Cruz stranded up front. Um, so that's that's one of your options, I would say. Um, Leipzig did a decent job there. Well, it sounds good enough to me and I'm pretty confident that Dortmund will press because uh, that's the one thing they actually do actually well more than not this season although you know there are a lot of moments where you could say well they should have pressed better but overall especially in the first half they are pretty good in their pressing and counter pressing so um maybe that's their chance um your prediction was a 1-1 draw is that correct yeah i just think that after the the game <laughs> against schalke everything's possible <laughs> or i think is possible now um I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think either a lopsided Dortmund win or we, we managed to steal a point. Um, I don't think it's going to be a close game. Oh, it's going to be, that's going to be a close win. I don't think that's going to happen. It's either you guys figure it out um, or we 
we might very well be the nail in Bosch's coffin. <laughs> yeah, we will see. Uh, Björn, thank you very much for your time, giving a little insight on Werder Bremen. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find and download your podcast? <laughs> Um, so you can find the, the podcast at the iTunes store. That is one of the main ways. Um, we're on, on Podbean. That is one of our, our other main sources for Twitter. I would recommend that you follow um, our main Twitter account that is handled by Patrick. And that is at RFWpod. Um, as for... For the podcast itself, yeah, you should check out the, the Podbean side. We usually have short descriptions there. Um, that's a little bit more informative so you guys know what you're getting into. But we'll be happy if you give us a look. Perfect. You can uh, follow Bjorn at B-O underscore 88 on Twitter himself. Bjorn, once again, thanks very much and back to the show. Thanks again to Björn. Uh, some nice insights. Konstantin, now it's our job to uh, yeah, basically put the focus on Borussia Dortmund after we just talked about Bremen. Um, this is another... Another... <laughs> here's my German accent coming through. This is another game, another Endspiel for Peter Bosch. I uh, did a little Googling the other day and I found out uh, the headlines about Peter Bosch having the end match, the final game, the make or breaks game uh you know they are piling on now he uh had a final match ahead of Schalke then ahead of Leverkusen then ahead of Real and I already saw a headline calling this a final match for Peter Bosch uh ahead of Werder Bremen now Nuri Schein said it himself there and now ifs and buts for Dortmund they have to win this game I mean if you don't beat the 17th place team of the Bundesliga although they have somewhat found back to their form I don't know then then yeah you can just end everything but no in all seriousness um, do you really think if this game goes wrong on Saturday um, do you really think Peter Bosch would get sacked? Uh, I don't think immediately um, because that's just a time frame um, there are until the end of the so-called Hinderwinde, um, so until the winter break, there are, I think, 10 days left. Yeah, 10 days, Dortmund plays four games within these these 10 days. Uh, but still, I mean, sacking your your coach right now, like, there's just no, not time to replace him, basically. Yeah. Um, so I guess they will stick to Bosch at least until the winter break. Even if, like, um, they, they lose... Uh, against or you know they lose to Bremen and we will defeat it by Mainz or whatever um I think there's just not a much not enough time right now um there was there was like uh, um uh, the possibility of of sacking Bosch after the Schalke match for instance yeah I think so too when you have the general assembly 
Yeah. And uh, you blow. And also, yeah, you got a little bit more time. Week. Yeah. Yeah, you have a whole yeah. week to train, basically, um, or not a whole week, but at least a couple more days to do something. I guess uh, this would have been the time to bring in a new coach. But of course, at that time. Peter Sugar was still the uh, coach of Cologne, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he has been sacked. Now, in all honesty, I think it's a legitimate question to ask whether Peter Bosch, uh, Peter Stöger, of course, at this moment would be a good replacement for Peter Bosch. Say, bring him in at the Hinrunde if you think sacking Peter Bosch is the right call. Do you think Peter Stöger is a good replacement? Well, um, I have I have a little bit of a hard time seeing Peter Stöger as the replacement for uh, Dortmund. I don't know. I I I just think if you bring in someone like Stöger, who has his qualities, you know, has proven that he has quality, um, especially last season, but also has a little bit of a reputation of being a you know someone who is an expert. Uh, in the defensive department. Um, I have just a hard time uh, where I have, I have a little bit of an issue with with someone like Stöger because it would would mean that Dortmund would transition into, um, let's say, an ordinary uh, ambitious club. I know. Yeah, <laughs> just just an ordinary club with real ambitions. Uh, because... Be- because uh, that's you know someone like Stöger bring uh, bring in someone like Stöger, a club like Leverkusen or Gladbach would do. But uh, Dortmund should should try to sign uh, if they replace Bosch. Sure, they can you know sign an interim coach until next summer. But uh, the long term solution should be someone with a, with a specific concept. Um, developing the team into uh, again developing it into a, a, a dominant possession heavy uh, kind of side um, and I don't think Peter Stöger is the right guy to do that um, that's why I think like the rumors um, that say that maybe Johan Nagelsmann is coming in uh, next summer um, I don't know if they are true I don't really believe it will happen, but if it if it would happen, um, I think it would be the right decision because Nagelsmann is someone who can implement this this uh, a specific concept that suits um, a club which uh, is like high up there, you know. Um, and even if you if you say okay, we we don't want to go go down the possession heavy route. All right, no problem. Then you have to. Then you could bring in someone. I mean, you know, the- theoretically, bring in someone like uh, well, Fasenhüttel, for instance. Um, I don't know if that's possible. I think he's he's more Bayern bound uh, in the future. But but um, you know, someone who's who's uh, very specialized in pressing and counter pressing, transition attacking football. While Peter Stöger is is a coach who doesn't represent any like radical idea you know he's he's more like the he is a pragmatic coach the so and so coach who can do well everywhere but who who wouldn't excel to the highest level um and that's the problem i think you need someone who has has a specific idea of football and who who has the potential to lead your team to the height 
uh, to the highest tide, which which means German Championship, uh, quarterfinals, Champions League, maybe semifinals or semifinals Europa League, you know, something like that. Um, and I think a, a Julian Nagelsmann or maybe a Hasenhüttl, um, these are coaches who can do that. While Peter Stöger would sta stabilize your team, but who would probably not be able to, you know, to lift you on the next uh, on the platform where you can can win the German Championship, for instance. And and I don't think Dortmund should do that because if they opt to sign someone like Stöger, they would decide to be a to to be an uh, let's say a more as I said a more ordinary ambitious team. Which is a weird way to say it, but uh, I don't have another. I don't know. I, I know, how to put I know it. Where, where you're getting at. So basically, yeah. what I would say on this subject is Peter Stücker, maybe as an interim's coach, uh, would yeah, help, help Dortmund. Yeah. Let me finish here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, because I think Peter Stücker is a pragmatic coach and he would find pragmatic solutions to Dortmund's imminent problems, which could maybe help them to finish in the Champions League. Champions League spots. However, Peter Stuger will never just sign a half-year contract to be replaced by Julian Nagelsmann. That's just not going to happen. And hence, I don't think it's realistic that Dortmund will opt for him if they have someone like Nagelsmann coming up. Because Dortmund, after all, have to... They, if, if they want to stay ambitious, as you said, they need to play like favorites and that will always entail some sort of possession football and a high line <laughs> because you have to push high up the field to exude pressure and all that. You know, this is just how, how things are. And uh, Dortmund need a coach like Bosch. In, may, maybe not Bosch himself, but at least the sort of philosophy, which is also why Bosch was in the end appointed, I guess. And um, so Dortmund's issue more is, is try to fix their squad to be able to play that sort of football and to be in line with their ambition because, as I already said, right now their defensive department is not up to that standard and they need to fix that. And, uh, of course, there are already a couple of rumors, which I guess we will discuss in a later show, um, that, you know, that those problems have been identified. Uh, but more, more on that later and, and back to Werder Bremen. Now, um... Myra Götze is out injured for the rest of the year. Marco Reus is, of course, still far, far away from coming back. Um, now, the question is, Werder Bremen is a team, as, as Björn already told us, that doesn't do well if you put them under pressure. Um, Konstantin, if you're Peter Bosch and you're trying to... Um, trying to uh yeah set up your team like that um who, who do you who do you play in this game do you play in Yamulenko? do you play Pulisic do you play Kagawa do you play Dahoud again do you basically play the 11 that started against Real Madrid or are you going in another direction I mean there's Mainz coming up on Tuesday Konstantin what do you do as a Dortmund coach now I, I, there's a way of, uh, to, or there's a way to pressure Preyman, uh, in, in, in regard, or like, um, let's say, um, when you look at the, at the lineup, you can potentially, uh, use, or at the players, you can potentially use, 
Um, I, I think changing, for instance, the right back position and using Pulisic as the right wing back uh, could be something um, where we achieve or, where we, or generate more pressure um, on 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 Preman's, uh left side. I would side. definitely play Pulisic at wing back. Just, I I mean, it's it's hard on the kid because it's not his ideal position. But yeah. I think for Dortmund's system right now, he's still the most ideal fit because Mark Batra has shown against Real Madrid that he is not a right wing back. Full stop. Sure, and and yeah, you, uh, Castro is injured, uh, Piszczek is injured. Um, so yeah, uh, Butra is it's just Butra is a center back, um, and that's it. Um, he's he's not a right back, and I think he's still nightmares uh, from the one incident with uh, Gareth Bale. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you, yeah, I think Pulisic should be the right wing back. Also, you know, with the with the uh, potential he has in, in the in the technical department, um, you can pressure. Bremen's left side, uh, meaning Augustinsson and, and Junusovic, uh, which is something, uh, especially containing Augustinsson a, a bit could, could be helpful. Um, if he's, you know, a little bit reluctant to go forward, uh, because of the threat, uh, Pulisic imposes. So, um, and yeah, and, and, and I think, uh, I, I mean, I expect that Yarmolenko and Schurler will be the, the both, uh, the two, uh, supporting strikers behind Oamiyang, but I would like to see uh, Kagawa and maybe Sancho uh, behind Oamiyang. Just just the the more uh, agile, uh, the 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 smaller lineup, so to say. Um, so you have you have quick, agile, uh, tricky players in in the in the number ten zone, uh, which which should help which should help you actually um, against Werder. Um, you know, especially uh, circling around Bachfreder and and Eggestein, um, I think yeah yeah you have an advantage if you have these these small and and um, the these small zone players basically. Um, I would like to see that, but I expect him to to use Yamalenko and Schurler, which is you know going for the um, for the straight running back, so to say. Yeah, but I'm I'm entirely with you. I would also just I don't know lump in Sancho on left maybe and have Guerrero as a left wing back and uh, Kagawa playing around there, which I think was was a pretty good game to see Kagawa play against Real Madrid just a little bit uh, further up front. I thought that suited him well, and I would like to see it again against Bremen, which is a team uh, against who Kagawa likes to score. Anywho, if I remember correctly, at least he had that one header <laughs> on his birthday, I think it was. And, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm all for, um, Dortmund trying to, uh, yeah, rekindle the positive minutes from Real Madrid because that actually looked like good football. And I think they can replicate that on Saturday at the Westfalenstein. I'm, I'm, I'm very convinced that there is some sort of, uh, upswing now in form in Dortmund. I don't know why, but I'm just, I just have a hunch that uh, they are finally finding a way to write the chip. And, um, I, I don't know if you already saw it, but there's a reporting of, uh, I think Build Plus it is, um, basically reporting that Schmelzer and Shine, I already talked about this, uh, session within the team. Um, yeah, basically, uh, 
talked to Bosch very loudly, or I don't know if it was loudly, but apparently convinced the coach to switch to a 3-4-3 system and uh, stick with it and apparently also advocated for Nevin Zubotic. Um, but, you know, I asked Marcel Schmelzer after, after the Leverkusen game and Nuri Schein, I think, said the same after the Real Madrid game. The players apparently feel more comfortable in a 3-4-3 system or just having a back three and two holding midfielders. Right now, Constantine, do you think this is the better strategy than uh, doing the uh, good old Dutch 4-3-3? Um, that's you. You you can't really um answer it that way. I and mean, that there's not there's no right or wrong. Um, there's no. I know no, it's in in the end. It always depends on how the players actually fulfill the system, right? Uh, also, also, uh, what wh- what uh system you're going against uh, up against, and yeah, that there there are so many factors uh playing in uh that so. Yeah, there's there's not there's no bad or good system. There's no right or wrong here. Be that as I, it may, but I I would mm-hmm. actually make 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 the one point that if you have a back three and a or, or a back five and two holding midfielders in the first build up phase, which Dortmund have struggled severely so far when they are playing with a back four and try to open the play with their fullbacks, which isn't always you know working out well. At least if you have that formation on the on the field, you have as a fullback and through which the builder play is funneled most of the time, I would say, and I would argue at the very first phase of the builder play, you just have more options and hence a little bit a higher sense of security. Not sure if it actually helps to move the ball into the final third, but I think Dortmund's first build-up phase is still an or was an issue in a lot of games this season where they were man-marked, for example, and where they just had too many long balls up front. And I think this is a good way of fixing it if, uh, of course, the opponent (laughs) does you the favor and doesn't completely mark every player out of the game, which, of course, uh, you know, Werder Bremen might as well do. And, uh, you know, in the end, you are, of course, right, but... I, I think just uh, that little switch makes, as I said, the build-up phase a little easier for Dortmund. I think this this helps them and the sense of security on the field maybe already does something with their confidence. Just just a theory, just throwing it out there. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it would be the, the natural um, way of things going that uh, where the frame will man-mark basically Dortmund's entire... Uh, lineup uh, or entire formation because uh, Preman plays a full free-free. Uh, you got three free, uh, strikers up front against the three centre-backs. You got uh, Delaney and Eggestein as the number eights against, uh, let's say, Weiger and Shahin. So, yeah. It will probably go down away, and, and also, I mean, yeah, you can you can play a back three and and can do horribly in build up because the the distance between uh, each of these setup backs is is uh, not not uh, big enough, and then you got you know um, your your passing your passing play is basically um, too small scale, and and that that uh, doesn't help you at all. It's it's just it it's actually really prone to interceptions and and uh, turnovers. So. Um, so it's it's always execution is key. All right, that would be the coach's answer, and you know, in the end, this is of course. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's 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 the case with any system. If you don't execute it well, it doesn't really matter how you play. That's that's, it. that's the thing. Yeah, there's there's no not no bad system in in modern football. Even four two four four two can can be played uh, perfectly and can can you know lead you to titles and everything. Um, just looking yeah, at I, I, I was looking just... at Atletico Madrid or. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just trying to explain to maybe listeners or, or even more so to myself even uh, why Dortmund may have opted for that switch to a back three slash back five. Anywho, um, let's move on to predictions. I already said that I'm feeling a win and I would say 3-1 Dortmund. What is your prediction, Mr. Constantine? Yeah, I mean, uh, Werder Bremen... Uh has done or has improved under under Kofeld, but uh, I still think uh, Dortmund, even in, in the current uh, condition they are in, um, I think that they will beat Werder uh, 2-0. Fair enough. And I guess as we established that Peter Bush will not get sacked after Saturday's game, um, we can now talk briefly about Mainz. Um, they have... Uh, drawn against Frankfurt, they have drawn against Gladbach, they have beaten Cologne, <laughs> like almost everyone except Schalke, of course. Um, they have uh, lost to Freiburg, in Freiburg, and they have lost pretty horribly, I think, away to Augsburg on the last match day. Um, they are in 14th position right now, they have conceded 22, they have scored 15, and every time I see Mainz, I just go, meh. Um... I think the worst game I saw this season was where, when they lost against Schalke, where they were just completely passive and looked flat. Um, what do you make of Sandro Schwarz right now and, and, and this Mainz team? To, to me, they are mediocre. Maybe those, they, they, they maybe have it in them to get a point against Dortmund or so. But to be honest, I don't really see much inspiration coming out of this Mainz team if I'm um, if I'm completely honest I mean the Blasis eh, maybe Ötzonali also a player who can do things but in the end if I look at, at this entire team I see mediocrity Konstantin yeah I've, I've, I have to uh, I disagree slightly because you have Maxim and Latza in midfield and I think uh, that's a that's a pretty good duo I hear uh, that every freaking year from you. I, I I just don't see it. I'm sorry. Danny Lazza, he, he's like the... I don't know. He has qualities, but nah. He's like the Shinji Kagawa of Mainz. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, big biggest issue Mainz has right now is, is that... Um, they Stefan can... Bell is still freaking... Yeah, he's just the worst centre-back in the league. But Stefan he, Bell. Oh, God. Delete yourself. Yeah, he's, okay. He's so bad. I'm sorry. It's it's my running gag on the show, but I'm heading on Stefan Bell every time, and I think he's a horrible, horrible center back who makes a lot of mistakes. Oh, all right, okay, but he's not he's not the worst Bundesliga player ever. So yeah, um, which is uh, uh, by the way, uh, Adam Losek is the worst uh, Bundesliga player ever. But that's another story for another day. Um, so biggest issue for Mainz is that they, they can play, can play a decent ball. Uh, it's just, yeah, they, they don't really have one up, up front who's, uh, their go-to guy who's, who's, who's their guy to score, um, you know, at least a few goals regularly. And uh, Muto isn't, isn't the guy, 
Um, Cordoba is gone. He's, he's at Cologne now. Um, so you, I mean, they can be as decent as they want and build up, um, uh, with, with Latza, especially. Um, it's just, you know, they, they don't have one. They don't have their go-to guy up front. And, and that's really hurting them right now. And, and unless they will find someone during the winter break or so, uh, they will struggle with that, with that issue until the end of the season. And uh, I mean, uh, in the, they are not far, far away from the relegation zone. So it's, it's, it's really interesting how one, how one position, how one uh, hole in the squad can can really um, make so so many things worse. Uh, because I think overall, Mainz is a is a pretty decent team. Is is um, they they could easily be eighth or seventh, um, but they they don't have the center forward to 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 be there. Um, I don't know. Maybe Victor Fischer, who came from Ajax, who was actually someone who was considered a potential Dortmund signing a few years ago. Uh, like so many other players who, who then didn't sign and who ended up being good but not great, like Sivkovic and others. Um, so, so Victor Fischer, maybe he can transition into the centre-forward role, but um, he's more of a, of a uh, you know, half-and-half, number 10 winger type of player. Um, and I don't think he will um, I, he will do it against Dortmund just playing a centre-forward. Um, so... Yeah, I've, uh, even even at in the current situation where Dortmund really has problems defensively, um, I don't think Mainz poses the threat uh, to hurt them too much. And yeah, maybe it, they will it, prove me wrong, and then they will put, and Mutu will uh, you know score three or four goals. Who knows? Yeah, I, I I mean if we remember the away game in Mainz, I think it was a one-one draw the last season. Uh, it was also a muddy pitch, uh, Dortmund had a one lead for a very long time they couldn't score a second goal they didn't really create a lot of chances they were just very very bleak in that game and then mines i don't know with it with a chance just scored the equalizer somehow and it was more a smash and grab than anything else i think it was mines only shot on target in that game and uh, somehow they they got away with the point and i think it it might as well just be this a similar game i mean it's it's a tuesday night game the floodlights are on but you know i already know the pitch is going to be muddy and uh, dortmund will uh yeah feel the english weeks by then after playing uh yeah real madrid and Werder Bremen. and i mean the the wednesday saturday tuesday routine with two away games is very brutal so i don't know i could i could see that you know dortmund are not at the top of the game going in, into this game against Mainz, which of course is crucial for them if i may be honest i actually see dortmund winning this just one nil. it's it's not going to be a game i think that's this is easy on the eyes i think this is like the a game of patience maybe a little bit like dortmund's win in augsburg but i actually do think that dortmund now will string two wins together i know very optimistic but to back your your argument up i just looked and uh mines have the least amount of expected goals accumulated in the bundesliga so far uh they have 14.71 expected goals according to espn stats and uh <laughs> dortmund are actually the highest there and uh you know that coincides with uh, dortmund sporting the highest average shot distance with 22.3 meters Dortmund having the lowest so uh, that tells you that Mainz really do have a problem to get into promising s scoring positions and I guess uh, you know putting 
context to this that that is probably down to a missing striker who can hold on the ball and distribute it and uh, hence Mainz have to take a lot of shots uh, from left field and um, if Mainz have one weakness I don't know if Dortmund are the team to exploit it but they're very very bad at defending set pieces so maybe uh, Rafael Guerrero can send a nice little free kick in and uh, Dortmund score a header from there with I don't know Subotic, Zagadou, Socrates I don't know, one of the tall guys or someone else. I don't know. This is just uh, just so everyone knows Mainz can't defend set pieces and maybe Dortmund can uh yeah, score from from that for once. Would be nice. I mean it's not like they they haven't scored a single set piece goal this season so far. So um yeah, this is this is all I have on Mainz, to be honest. This is not much, but uh yeah. I'm I'm sorry Mainz fans. I don't watch you a lot. Constantine, you want to do a prediction now? Yeah, I think uh, 2-1 for Dortmund. All right, fair enough. As I said, I think it's going to be like a 1-0 win. Yeah, and I guess with that, we can also just end it and uh, we'll be back with previews for the uh, Hoffenheim match. And then I don't know if we'll do an extra preview for the DFB Cup game against... Bayern or not? I don't know. We will see. But for now, that's all from us from the yellow wall. Konstantin, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, yeah, they have to, you know, turn on their PC and then install the internet. Uh, <laughs> and then they can find me on Twitter, cc underscore e c k n e r. And yeah, that's about it. And if you have correctly configured your AOL router, you can find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter as well. You can find all my work on ESPNFC and if you want to find the written content of the Yellow Wallpot you can do that on yellowwallpot.com where you can also find the various way to subscribe to our show namely iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher <laughs> can't forget that before Matthias slates me and uh, yeah if you want to get in touch with all of us do that via the contact form on the homepage or Twitter at Yellow Wallpot or Facebook Yellow Wallpot If you want to support us on Patreon.com like Andrew Fasnacht, you can do that also there on Patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And yeah, Konstantin, once again, thanks for uh, helping me out here that it wasn't just one monologue, but two monologues. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was nice to have you on once again. And to everyone else out there, thanks for listening. I hope times will get better. Just uh, trust the process or something. I don't know. Goodbye.